Well, it's only fitting to pop a cork for the 100th episode of The Yarn. As we've always said, this is a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming, and a huge thank you to everyone who has helped create the 270-something interviews, the 70,000-plus downloads, the feedback, the reviews, and so on. Look, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a bit of a pioneering effort, but it's great to have people all over the wool world prepared to contribute and we certainly hope to keep it going but a big thank you to the dozens of AWI staff who have done the recordings the editing the people willing to be interviewed and of course you the listener so thank you but our century comes at a time when the wool market has really nosedived which has many wool growers really concerned now we've discussed the reasons and the drivers in the market But today we thought it best to hear a little more context from someone processing wool, but also someone looking to use some more wool. And for this, we will head to Vietnam a little later, where AWI and their marketing arm, Woolmark, have been working for some years to increase processing capacity and wool knowledge. But first to ABMT Textiles, right here in Australia. Now, this company is a real quiet achiever. It's a global leader in natural fibre circular knit manufacturing with global sports and active outdoor brands as clients as well as some local fashion retailers. But look, ABMT Global Sales Manager Julian Collins can explain the company a lot better than I can. Yeah, well, we in textile terms, we're a relatively new company. We're only 15 years old. Uh, we're based out in Melton, just outside of um, Melbourne, and we've got a really strong focus on sustainable fibres and natural fibres um, and wool plays a, a massive part in that business. Um, around 80% of what we produce in our facility is actually shipped internationally for sewing, and that then goes into brands both, to, both domestically and globally. Now, we're all very conscious of uh, what's happening between the US and China right now, uh, yeah. what is essentially a trade war, and it seems as though wool has been very much caught up in that. We've seen the wool market drop away very considerably in the last two months, but you're saying it's not just about the trade war, but it's about the high wool prices from 12 months ago. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, there's there's a seasonal aspect in how people buy their product and how retailers and brands put their collections together and, and decisions on whether brands were going to be running wool or running um, wool as part of their collections was made 12 months ago when the wool prices were still quite high. Uh, the unfortunate thing with the wool prices backing off now is that the brands aren't going to see the benefit of that um, and aren't going to jump on board just quickly because the wool prices have come back. What we're seeing with the wool prices easing, that's a, that's a result of high prices 12 months ago when brands were making their decisions. So they've now decided, the brand has now decided rather than 100% wool, they'll go to a wool 10 cell blend or they'll go to a, um, a wool polyester blend or if wool isn't a mainstay of their category like it is with some fashion brands, they might drop wool out for a season or two until prices uh, stabilise. We've got a large customer, for example, that runs 200,000 uh, metres of 100% wool rib with us every year. This year, um, because of the high wool prices when they were making their decisions, they've decided to go to a blend of um, 100% wool with um, Tencel. So it's a 50-50 blend. They're still buying the same amount of product. They're putting the same amount of wool product as such on the shelves, but that wool product only has a 50% wool content this year. Yeah. So um, in terms of the types of, uh, of, of companies that you are making for, you've got a very interesting mix of, of companies that you 
that you produce fabric for? Yeah, we, we work with people from you know high fashion brands domestically in Australia, such as you know someone like a Cook Eye, uh, to outdoor retailers like an Anaconda, and then global brands um, you know like Polo, Ralph Lauren, and some of the large outdoor brands like you know the likes of Arcturix and people like that. So it's, it's a really broad uh, mix and it's it's critical to, to our business to, to have a, a broad mix of customers because in instances like this where there's a, a fluctuation in, in wool price, um, you know, we're able to um, diversify and make sure that I guess that the outdoor brands that value wool for all of its technical um, attributes, they tend to stick with wool in times like this, whereas the, the fashion brands that are, are using more, more wool for the for the look and feel and touch of wool um, may drop out of wool, we're able to sort of keep our business running sustainably. Now, 80% of Australian wool is exported to China for early stage processing and half of that is consumed in China at retail, but China is not the China that it was five or even 10 years ago. Um, You're seeing a very, well, you have seen, you're saying over the last five years, a very distinct shift in manufacturing. Yeah, we, we, um, we also have a facility in China that we don't produce wool product in. Uh, we like to keep that skill set here in Australia. Um, but our, our China facility that, that runs a lot of um, cotton product and, and recycled materials, um, we, we're definitely seeing that um, the, the brands that are manufacturing um, and, and shipping into the US and, and Europe are, are heading much more towards you know, your regions such as Indonesia, um, Vietnam, um, Bangladesh, Myanmar, and um, that, that China manufacturing base is just getting too expensive for them. Um, so that you know, whilst there's still textiles getting produced in China, a lot of those textiles are then moving out of China into other regions for us uh, for sewing. And what does that mean for you, for ODMT? Um, look, there's always a challenge. So it's it's about diversifying the product mix that we that we offer in China and, and coming up with with new and innovative textiles that, that keep us at the forefront of, of sustainable product. Um, it means that we explore other um, opportunities, whether that's um, opening up different facilities in different regions. Um, we partner with a lot of um, garment manufacturers. So we currently have got some really strong partnerships um, with OCC Apparel and their facilities in Vietnam. We're also looking at some potential uh, joint venture opportunities in countries like Indonesia as well. It's a fascinating landscape that's changing a lot and uh, the circular knitting machines uh, that you that you have here that run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, you know, you've been very um, generous to us and we, we've taken uh, a lot of people through here and I, it has been interesting to see that there's less wool probably on the machines than there have been in the past. Is that, um, you see that trend continue? Yeah, look, I think that's, that's also sort of the timing of sort of, of, of today's visit in that um, We've finished off a lot of our Northern Hemisphere requirements. We're now in that spring-summer period for our Northern Hemisphere customer base, which isn't traditionally a heavy wool um, wool period for, us for production. So our wool manufacturing really starts to drop off. Uh, it's generally sort of August, September um, into the start of October. If you come here in November, there won't be anything else running in this facility but wool. So from November until May is our is our peak period where we're very busy with wool for the uh, for our northern hemisphere customers. Probably could be a pretty unfair question, Julian. But um, uh, where do you see things happening? I mean, you've got such an important um, role in the industry, such a crucial role. Um, is the cure for high prices high prices, and is the cure for low prices low prices? Do you see things? changing there's got to be a middle ground 
it's uh, I'm not trying to just sit on the fence here but wool needs to find its commercial value um, wool whilst it's been great for our farmers through some really tough times of, of low yields and things like that um, the wool price where it's been hasn't isn't sustainable it's not sustainable for retailers it's not sustainable for the mills it's not sustainable for anyone because you, you can only sell a $69 t-shirt for $69 um, you know, once you start to raise that to a $79 t-shirt, you take it out of reach of the, the main consumer and it's not viable. Um, so in order to maintain that $69 t-shirt, for example, you know, we've had to diversify and, and bring in natural fibre blends, you know, 10 cells in an organic cotton, blending it with wool, um, and to, to enable brands to continually tell that sustainable, environmentally friendly story, but yet still main, maintain the attributes of wool. Um, so I guess if you ask me where's this industry going to be in you know circular knits in the next five years is there is going to be more blends um, you know with those high prices um, retailers were forced to look at blends they now have seen that there is actually benefit in blending not only just because of price but because of handle because of texture because of look of what they can get when they mix wool with other fibers so I think blends is going to be a, a way forward the great thing about blends is wool prices come down, the wool blend fabric prices will come down, which will then allow it to go into a new category of wool customers that haven't had wool before. Fascinating. And you were showing, I think, before uh, something that was made out of um, recycled fishing nets as well. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, we all know the issues. You know, everyone's having with it recycling at the moment, um, especially sort of the you know the metropolitan listeners will well and truly know that they're talking about us having five rubbish bins sitting out the front of our house to sort out recycled waste. Um, recycled fishing nets, recycled PET bottles. Um, the program that Anaconda have in store this winter is a, is a great initiative. So they're using recycled water, water bottles with merino wool as part of their technical um, base layer story, which enables uh, the wearer to have all the benefits of 100% of wool, uh, but there's also, we're having the polyester in there as well, um, and recycled polyester, they're getting the benefits of wicking and performance. So it's all about, for us, creating uh, sustainable natural fibre products that have got that performance add, um, and it's basically complementing the wool. Julian, um, thank you very much for, for being so generous with your time. No um, you, you have an amazing facility here. Um, I feel as though the more people that hear about you, uh, you're going to be doing tours all the time. It might have to be a separate business that you run because uh, it's a real gem here that I think a lot of uh, wool growers don't know about. There's a feeling that there is no manufacturing left in Australia, but here you are. Um, on the outskirts of Melbourne um, with an incredible business. Um, thank you very much for your time on the yarn and uh, all the best to you, we need you. No, no worries mate, we're, we're always, uh, we've always got a door open for the wool growers if they want to come in and, and see where their, uh, their wool's going. I didn't even ask what your relationship is with Woolmark, what do you do with, how does it work? Um, look, we've got, we've got a, a quite a strong educational relationship in that um, we support Woolmark um, with things like today where you know students and things are coming through. Um, when there's um, brands and retailers coming internationally, quite often Woolmark will bring um, those brands and retailers through our facility to show them, I guess, a better manufacturer of, of Merino product. Um, and then on, on, on the flip side, um, you know, when we're talking to, to brands that are relatively new to wool, um, or some retail partners that might want some training for their staff. You know, Woolmark's always supportive in in um, providing educational material and support for those um, retailers to help upsell their their wool product. 
Julian, once again, thank you very much for your time and um, all the best to you. And um, yeah, wonderful. It's just wonderful that you're here. No worries, mate. Thanks <laughs> for your time. So we all know how reliant on China the Australian wool industry really is. So it stands to reason that the current US-China trade battle is not doing much for the confidence of the trade. To help reduce this reliance, AWI have over the last decade looked to encourage more manufacturing in other countries such as Russia, where manufacturing used to be huge obviously, Belarus, Bangladesh and Vietnam. So it's interesting to hear Julian Collins mentioned Vietnam in that last interview. Because just last week, Woolmark conducted an innovation workshop in conjunction with a company called Young One. So they're a Korean manufacturer of outdoor apparel and footwear that processes in Vietnam. So this workshop was designed to introduce brands to wool to encourage them to use more wool in their sports and performance wear. One company there was Templar, a ski wear company, and their creative director, Rob Maniscalco spoke with AWI's Trudy Friedrich. It's primarily uh, outdoor alpine uh, with a strong crossover in the fashion sector. And that's sort of really what the, the white space is as far as our brand's concerned is kind of bridging those two worlds. Who's your market? Uh, uh, top end luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wholesale to the most prestigious wholesalers or retailers um, right around the globe, from North America to Europe to Asia, um, and again, it's uh, an alpine ski snowboard market, snow sports focus uh, with a strong fashion. Did you urban enjoy the workshop? It's been amazing um, to be able to have this level of technology um, at your disposal to be able to work to to work with. Uh, the, um, the the makers and the programmers uh, that sort of so hands on and immediate mm-hmm. um, the proximity the, the, the of, of being able to sort of see the factories see how they work see what the the, the limitations are or even mm-hmm. not limitations and sort of to really sort of you know become a pretty collaborative uh, process mm-hmm. so it's been really good. What did you get out of it? in terms of like what products or what like samples have you walked away with and also just like in a knowledge sort of space? Um, well, uh, probably um, sort of really sort of pushing, uh, I guess, the boundaries somewhat with their own technology. Uh, what's been interesting is having some of the programmers with say knitwear, for example, comment, uh, that they haven't done this kind of work before or it's new for them to be able to, you know, to try and sort of create the types of um, needs that we're, what I've been working on, which is again sort of um, developing something that's sort of uh, a lot more performance-based that isn't necessarily something that's readily available in the market, Mm -hmm. but we sort of using uh, wool as the primary uh, uh, textile within it, so yeah. yeah. What's been your experience with other fibres, especially cotton, and why are you interested in merino wool? Uh, cotton isn't normally used in sportswear, mm. performance wear. Um, it doesn't have the same properties as a natural fibre. So the, the benefits of wool um, 
is uh, you get the best of both both worlds. You have a um, a natural fiber that has the same sort of technical properties that you, you and what's needed uh, for performance wear. Um, so I think that what's interesting and unique about uh, a lot of sort of more contemporary uh, brands and and a workshop like this is the opportunity to take something like wool um, and continue to sort of push uh, that agenda of um, more kind of how it can work in a kind of performance uh, way. Mm. Uh, And what wool products do you currently make and what are you intending to make? So uh, the collection we just launched, which was a collaboration with Raf Simmons, uh, involved wool. Uh, it was a, a, a fine yarn from Italy, uh, which had a, um, a Teflon eco finish. Um, and because it was a, a, a sport, uh, an alpine snow sports collaboration, mm. the purpose of it was to have like a base layer that also was be used almost like a an, a, an outer layer piece um, that, that sort of for that younger market that do sort of park boarding and skiing and um, not be dripping saturated wet which often is what the case when they're using just their sort of standard you know cotton tea or that type of thing so it's sort of um, bringing a huge fashion dimension to the alpine market but then a functionality that's not actually common mm. okay and and what Woolen products do you see in your lines for the future? Well, uh, looking a lot into uh, bonded membrane wools. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been looking at working with a, a, a bonded wool from Shola that's about a 10 to 15k waterproof. Um, there's a lot of that starting to come through the market that I've been seeing is uh, membrane mm-hmm. laminates on, um, on wool, which I think, um, again, sort of starts to change the landscape a little bit in terms of um, what's otherwise been like you know very sort of poly synthetic mm. orientated industry and so sort of um, you know allow to you know use these sort of fabrics to disrupt the market a little bit and um, the, the, it's you get texture and appearance from all that you just can't replicate synthetics so to sort of add that luxurious element to um, uh, that space, the alpine space, I think um, it's long overdue. Rob Maniscalco of Templar, and a huge thank you to Trudy Friedrich there who conducted that interview. Trudy is a great example of why the yarn has been a success over 100 episodes because there's an AWI staff member who's never recorded an interview before but willing to give it a go and to chip in and has done a great job. Thank you, Trudy. But thank you to everyone across the 100 episodes and a few people deserving of special mention include Ben Madgwick, Ella Edwards, Ellie Bigwood, Emily King. There are many, many more, but uh, thank you very much to everyone who have helped create the yarn. And that is indeed a wrap on uh, the 100th episode. Thank you for listening. Let's do it all again. Please keep that uh, feedback coming in so we can change and improve the yarn and follow things up that you want to hear about. But from me, Mario's coming. Look forward to catching you again soon.